Welcome to This Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Palmer, joined by my fellow hosts, John Grosso and Paul Jarzembowski. Happy New Year! 2022 is a big year in Disney parks. From roller coasters, attractions, resorts, shows, cavalcades, to updated classics, Paul, John, and I will share what we're looking forward to the most. We'll get to that. But first, welcome, fellas. Hey, good to be back. Happy New Year, everybody. The boys are back. Sorry for the hiatus. We had to spend time with our families. <laughs> it was Christmas. It was the holidays. It was wonderful. I am very excited to be back. These siestas are getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> oh. But so, I, I, I've got to say, um, as we were taking our taking our time getting these shows together i was like all right all right i'm chomping at the bit let's get ready let's get back in front of the mics and let's do this so i'm excited that we're here um let's let's start this show with what's making us happy in disney this week guys who wants to go first i'll go first because i think paul has a a show and tell and so let's build the suspense the excitement to our our listeners who can't actually see the show but my suspense my excitement oh okay all right well let's hear you so uh all since since thanksgiving when nicole and i went to go see encanto we have been transfixed with singing uh we don't talk about bruno it is an earworm that i have not experienced since probably moana has come out maybe even frozen i mean we are inventing lyrics that apply to our dog ellie uh we are uh, i mean off-roading i think i've listened to it like 15 times since christmas music has transitioned off of my uh daily sort of spotify playlist uh and it just found out that it's premiere it's at like number 34 on the spotify or number 34 on the um streaming site uh countdown of, of songs that are um top most songs played and it's the highest the song has been since let it go a disney song has been since let it go so if you haven't heard we don't talk about bruno and you haven't seen Encanto, Encanto is a beautiful adorable movie but we don't talk about bruno is so good so that's what's making us perpetually happy here in the grasso house because we're just singing it all the time here's what i'll say john go watch that movie again watch that scene and in the background, watch the uh, watch the upstairs. Uh, there's a little Easter egg related to that song. I, I I do know what you are talking about, and I will say to all of our uh, listeners, uh, go go give that a second look. It's it's fantastic. Uh, now you've got me captivated because I did see Encanto over the holiday break. I really liked it, but now now I'm curious. So <laughs> gonna be like it's it's. it's typical disney like oh my goodness i like it's just fun it's a fun little i don't know how else to describe it okay i will say that surface pressure is the song that's been making its rounds around our home over the last couple days i don't know if that's reflective of just (laughs) holiday stress but that song is a, a nice little miracle of songwriting it really is isn't it yeah it's pretty beautiful pretty cool it is um paul you have show and tell I do. Um, you know, so over the Christmas holiday with my 
uh, spent time with my mom and dad. And, and uh, one of the really neat things that uh, we got was this, um, so Epcot has got some retro posters that they've been doing. And so um, I got a couple of these for, uh, for our wall art to continue to decorate Ooh. our thing. So one is, um, and these are, these, this is, this, this, this speaks to my, um, my love of classic Epcot. Uh, one is the, the land. Um, now that still is around, but it's a, it's a, it's an opening day Epcot attraction. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's more of a, a graphically designed uh, look at the, these things that people, artists have kind of imagined these pavilions and the essence of the pavilions, um, but done it in a style that kind of evokes the 1980s. Um, so, um, so the land, which is one of my favorite pavilions, if not my favorite pavilion, uh, you know, we got that one. And then the other one is, uh, is Communicore, which no longer exists and uh, has in the middle of it uh, Smart One, who was the original robot, uh, the purple robot who was in the middle of the Communicore. Uh, when you got out of um, Spaceship Earth, you would see the, 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 the kind of the, the half moon uh, buildings that would surround it. And in one of them was a robot and all kinds of other things and that talked about communications and technology and really kind of made a, I, I got, a, as a kid, I got so excited about the future. I got so excited about the technology that we were inventing. And Smart One was the first time I had seen like an interactive robot. I know like, it, like nowadays it's such a common thing, but back in the 1980s, you know, seeing this thing in, you know, in, in 1982, 1983 was like, you know, like to a kid that's really young, you're like, wow, this is awesome. So I have very fond memories of it. So they have been selling these posters um, in, in, through the Disney, Disney shop store. Uh, and, uh, and it was wonderful that, um, uh, that my parents were kind enough to, uh, to, to gift us with that. Um, but now of course, like give a, you, you know, you give a kid a cookie, you want, another cookie so now i'm like going on to shop disney and seeing well why not have another one or two to put up so i might get some for myself but um and of course like i i was telling my wife we only have room in our house for only two more but there's eight, in, eight there's eight in my favorites list um so we have to trim down the eight to two no you need to get a bigger house <laughs> that's right why why limit yourself by what a wall can Sarah hold? Sarah on the line. We're going to talk to her. We're, we're going to after this after this this podcast. We're going to tell her it's time to move. I know you're going to settle. It's time, to move, it's time to move. We need more wall. You need to take you need to objectively look at your room and say something's got to go. That's true. Who or needs- have you considered the ceiling? <laughs> That's true. Ceilings don't get quite the love for for wall art that they should, but uh, right. That's what I'm saying. Underrated, you know, a lot of space there. You could have an Epcot ceiling. That's true. Actually, if you go on to Shop Disney and you put in the search Epcot, they're the things that pop up first, and they're all the different lands. Some are the original, like, and this is what's interesting. Disney is totally leaning into its history and its heritage with these because, yeah, there's the current rides. Like they have Finding Nemo, which is the current thing in that pavilion, but they also have the Living Seas ride, which is no longer there uh, as one of these artworks. They have the Horizons ride. Um, So they have some of these things that used to be there as well as the things that are currently there. 
Um, and then they have all their country pavilions too. So some of, so I've got to get my eye on, on two of my favorite countries in the world showcase. So, um, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure where we'll go. Well, just for the record, by the way, this isn't a podcast uh, that does not have advertising at this moment. So all of that was for free. Shop Disney. You're welcome. We'll You're take welcome, Disney. And discounts. Don't, don't think that when we put an Instagram of these, uh, of these posters, um, that we're not going to tag Shop Disney. <laughs> hashtag Shop Disney. Hashtag advertisement. Hashtag free hashtag ad. Free, ad. free advertisement. I mean, come on. Disney is a struggling property. They need all the ad help they can get, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, what about um, you? So my, my thing that's making me happy this week in Disney, uh, the fellows are going to think this is ironic because I spent a little bit of our pre-show conversation talking about how this wasn't necessarily a Disney product. It was more of a Sony product. But uh, I finally went to the movie theater for the first time in two plus years. I know I'm not the only one out there that hasn't been in the movie theater in a long time. But uh, my wife and I celebrated our anniversary in the most ro- romantic way possible and saw Spider-Man No Way From Home, um, which is the way that you show your, your spouse that after 10 years, you love them very much. Um, now, I'll say this. Obviously, it's a Sony Marvel mashup. Uh, without getting into spoilers, um, there's there's not too many Disney Marvel characters in the film, but uh, Spider-Man at it at uh, at his core at this point is a Marvel character still, and he is uh, in comic fashion. He's owned by Disney, and obviously, out in uh, the West Coast, we've got um, web shooters attraction in, in Avengers Campus. But what I'm going to say is um, that movie is spectacular. Um, it reminds us what heroes on film can do to inspire others. Um, what heroes do when they're, they're left to face evil and how they can make the right decision. Um, this movie will make you believe in heroes. Um, and uh, It'll make you believe in going to the movies again when it's safe, when you're, when you feel on your own time, it's right to go back to the movie theater. Um, the Disney corporation and the Sony corporation desperately need your money. Um, they are on hard times with $655 million so far from no way home. But uh, please, uh, if, if you're a comic book fan, if you're a Marvel fan, if you're a Spider-Man fan, especially if you're a Spider-Man fan, go see this movie. All right, let's get into the main topic. Guys, what are we looking forward to in 2022? We're about a week into uh, the new year, and I think we're going to kick things off with John. John, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm excited. So um, in our pre-show meeting, uh, we discussed a little bit about what this might look like. And so Uh, Full disclosure, I would have narrowly picked Tron uh, if it were coming out in 2022. It appears now it's coming in 2023. And uh, that really would have been because I wanted to stick to the theme of the podcast, which is Disney parks. But I can't contain my excitement any longer, fellas, listeners. The Disney thing that I am most excited for this year, more than any park, more than any other movie, is the 
Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus. I, I, when we were talking in our pre-show meeting and we rarely disclose to each other what we're picking in our pre-show meeting, but I literally could not contain myself because I was so excited about this show, which as of now does not ha- yet have a release date, but the rumor is May the 4th, which would just be fantastic in every possible way because it would be, it is, it is a, the show itself is already a gift to Star Wars fans because Obi-Wan Kenobi is one of the only things that prequel trilogy people and original trilogy people can agree on because Obi-Wan Kenobi is awesome. Um, I am extremely excited uh, to see this character again. I am beyond excited to, to see what Hayden Christensen could do with the, God love him, competent director and maybe relevant dialogue and plot because he's in I don't think he's an objectively bad actor but his performance in the prequels left um a lot to be desired and so I'm really excited to see that that debate whether or not he's a good actor or it was a bad plot bad actor is going to be finally put to bed because uh, at least I hope it is um and I'm actually really I'm nervous and excited to see what an encounter between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader can look like um, that doesn't break canon, um, especially that doesn't break that first fight, the, that fight they have in A New Hope. So I can't wait. Um, you know, I, I've tried really hard, you know, with, I'm, I'm, I try really hard to avoid spoilers. Um, usually, I ended up spoiling myself uh, for a good chunk of The Mandalorian, except for the reveal in, at the end of season two, because my wife ended up watching it with me and Nicole would be devastated if something happened to Grogu. So I would spoil myself for every Mandalorian episode every morning before we would watch it to make sure that Grogu was okay. Um, and Because I love my wife and I don't think she'd let me watch anything Star Wars if something happened to him. But I have stayed away from anything that is not trailer or release date related material for Obi-Wan because I want to go in just totally, totally pure and ready for this show. I cannot wait. I'm super excited. And I understand that there's going to be some agreement there. So, Paul, hello there. Yeah, I I mean, I cannot help but agree with you on that. I am very, I mean, I have something, too, to share. But I, I was very much thinking about that, Obi-Wan, is that's the thing that, like, I'm like, I keep seeing the list of things for 2022 that are coming out from Disney. And that show just, like, I'm like, well, if there's any, I mean, there's a lot of good shows that are coming out on, on Disney+, Plus, but that one is one that I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a star that, you know, make sure that whatever, whenever day that is, you know, make sure I got no other plans because that's what's going to happen. But I, you know, it is somewhat park related. Here's, here's how it's park related, John. I'm going to tie it together because chances are, in fact, not even chances, there is a guarantee that there will be souvenirs in the parks that will be Obi-Wan Kenobi souvenirs that will be available to get especially at Hollywood studios, but frankly, anywhere in the Disney parks, there will be plenty of Obi-Wan Kenobi souvenirs that uh, you can pick up. So it is somewhat park related. It's merchandise related. Well, you know, Paul, and I'm totally not reading an ad right now, but uh, do you think they might be available on hashtag shop Disney? (laughs) Gee, I wonder. I agree. I agree. I'm just super, super jazzed for. It. I love Ewan McGregor. I think he's a great Obi Wan Kenobi. And I think um, that I think now, now, John, you and I might we 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 do have denominational differences here. That you're a prequel guy. I'm an original trilogy guy. Well, hang on, hang on. I I, I think the object the original trilogy is objectively better. Okay. I like the original trilogy better. 
I just grew up on the prequels. And so I don't hate on the prequels. I, I'm one of those people that can, you put me in front of literally any Star Wars, anything, and I will be very happy minus the holiday special. And even then I might laugh at it. So. Okay. So, but Anyways, the thing is, is that Ewan McGregor is one of those people that I think transcends. I think people, the even, even prequel haters or prequel dissenters, maybe that's what I would call myself. Um, um, because I have caught myself watching it on like regular TV, like it's halfway through and I'm like, well, okay, I'll watch it still. Um, but the one thing we can, I think all, I think all original trilogy lovers can, can, can affirm is that Ewan McGregor was an excellent casting choice and did an excellent job. And the legacy of Alec Guinness, he lived up to incredibly well. So I think I'm very happy with him. Like he's the one prequel character that I have no problem whatsoever. I think he did a great job. He lived up to Alec Guinness's legacy. Um, and I'd be happy that he has his own show. I'm going to be a small bit of a party pooper. I love Star Wars. Anybody that knows me knows that I love Star Wars. But they're going to have to sell me hard on this series because I don't see the narrative need for it at all at all really um, did you see the narrative need for mando or boba fett no there's an objective question i'm not 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 being combative i'm curious um probably more so for mando because star wars needs stories outside of the saga mm, and okay so, like okay. The things that happen outside that sort of bump up against the big events of the saga and so I can I can excuse and I can and I can and I can celebrate Mando, um, but something like Obi Wan Kenobi, we know he was left on Tatooine to watch over Luke from afar, um, and we know that he hadn't faced Darth Vader um, since he defeated him in Revenge of the Sith. Um, there's a weight to Alec Guinness's portrayal in that movie, uh, in A New Hope, um, that he's just carrying around the baggage of his lost apprentice and sees his son reaching the point where he needs to go on this hero's journey. And I don't feel the need to peek in on him and create sort of something that like kind of bumps up against canon but doesn't um like it's one of my beefs with some of the animated series um in that they exist but like what they do doesn't really necessarily matter um like i think that's gonna start changing with mando now you have ahsoka into the sort of mainstream Right, they've brought Ahsoka into the line. And probably live Ezra action. and Thrawn, for sure. But even that, though, because they launched those movies, the, the sequel trilogy, none of those characters weaved into those movies, even though you heard Ahsoka's voice at the end of Rise and of Skywalker. And you saw the ghost. And the, yeah, I agree. But they're always, to me, like this, what is it, the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? They're they're all like sort of off on the side doing their thing. Yeah. Um, there's not like there's, they, they like never rise above being the level characters. 
uh, I, of, of consequence. Yeah. I think that there is a little bit of a yearning. I mean, the sequel trilogy was great, was great sugar candy at first. And as you let it sit in, it digests a little poorly um, as time goes on. Um, so I think that now a lot of the fandom has embraced things uh, like um, like Man Mandalorian because it's the it is the in a sense it's the sequel experience we wanted. You know, Boba Fett is becoming a little bit of that too. It's kind of an extension of the Mandalorian. It's the sequel experience we what we really wanted. What we got was sugar candy. This is what we. This is kind of a little more uh you know whole foods that we can digest so i think that there is a desire for uh, you know and you're probably right there's probably a little bit of yearning and i probably myself i'm just yearning to fill the void that that now that sugar rush left for me and i want more substantial content and i hope that you know and, and again if if what dave filoni and uh, john favreau have delivered thus far has been any indication i'm 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 a little excited about that. Um, so I don't know. I think you, you have a point of like, do we need to voyeuristically look at Obi-Wan Kenobi as he's sitting in the desert of Tatooine? Yeah, maybe with his don't. PTSD, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. But if, it's, if the quality is going to be of the same quality of what we've been getting from Filoni and Favreau recently, you know, they could have, you know, the emperor reading a phone book uh, in Coruscant for all I care. Um, I'll watch it because they're going to make it awesome. Vader, comma, Darth, 917-223. No, I agree with you, Paul. I think I'm jazzed for it because I like seeing, I like Boba Fett. So I was giddy watching the first episode of Boba Fett. Um I love the Mandalorian and I, I, I liked it. I liked season one where there wasn't a ton of tie in, but I also, I loved season two when you started to see the pieces come together. Um, I like seeing new stories from original trilogy characters. So yes, it's not Alec, it is Ewan, but I like the idea of seeing more of Obi-Wan. I love Obi-Wan. I love the idea of seeing more of Boba Fett. I like the idea of, of, of seeing more, as you said, um, in a spoiler alert for the, finale of season two of the mandalorian you've been warned but the happiest star wars moment of my life that wasn't the opening credits for the force awakens for the first time was luke skywalker mowing down dark troopers in his prime um and so i'm hoping that we can see it's a high risk high reward scenario and where we've officially spent too much time on this we're not a star wars pod but so you're right matt i think you're totally right like if it doesn't have a good, Star Wars pod now. Yes, we are. If it doesn't yeah. have a good payout, right? If it's just Obi-Wan for the sake of Obi-Wan because people love this character, objectively, I think I'll like it, but it's going to be more of the sort of sugar candy that Paul is talking about. But if there is a payout that you're sort of talking about here, I think it could be a really high reward and bring some even more complexity to one of the most beloved Star Wars characters. And now I will go on mute because otherwise I will take this thing over. <laughs> Uh, well, if it's, if it's any consolation, I'll bring us back to the parks uh, for what I'm looking forward to. Um, so um, originally, now 2022 is an exciting year, but my original thought for it was actually to go down the direction that I would go in 99% of my podcast, which is Epcot, because this is the 40th anniversary of Epcot. 
But seeing the progress by which they are making on things in Epcot, I'm not confident that by October 1st, uh, 2022, which would be the exact 40th anniversary of Epcot, that all of the things that they have, that, that, that the park will still be a little bit of a construction zone. I'm not confident. Now they, they've, they've kind of teased out that there's this possibility that all the new things, the water, the galactic stuff in Universe of Energy, play will all be ready i don't think it will so i'm gonna hold so i'm i'm hesitant to say that because i'm i'm i if it does come to pass then that will be the thing maybe in 12 months time i'll say that was the thing i was most grateful for uh was getting it but i'm not looking forward to it because i don't think it'll happen i'm being a little cynical and suspicious so what am i looking forward to i'm gonna go in a place i have i'm gonna go straight from from epcot where you know i as my happy place to another, not that Disneyland is not my happy place, but I don't mention Disneyland all that often. What I'm going to say is the return of the Main Street Electrical Parade, because the Main Street Electrical Parade is what, to me, is nighttime entertainment. The the synth, the Moog synthesizer that begins that parade, the lights that are still in their 1970s, 1980s. You know, you know, weirdness and stuff like that. That is what I want. I mean, don't give me the oh, what I forgot what the name of the one that replaced it was. Um, don't was it? you dare come for Spectro Magic, Paul. Don't Spectro you Magic. dare. I'm, no, I'm not against no, it. I'm, I'm not against it. I'm the one that hosts this. I am going to turn this off first. Matt comes for me. Now you come for my Spectro Magic. I'm done. I'm not coming against spectro magic you I, were just about to paul i just was saying spectro magic is no main street electrical parade it's it's the it's not i'm sorry main street electrical parade with its moog synthesizer is what it shall be <laughs> john is like biting his lip at the moment so so is matt for some odd reason i'm letting you have your moment paul i'm letting you have it Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But anyway, let's get back to the happiness, which is the fact that Disneyland is bringing back. Now, of course, I have to travel across the country because I don't live near California uh, to see it. But I will make a plan to make sure that I'm in the park at least some evening in the next year to see the Main Street Electrical Parade. Um, as a kid, watching it come down the street was... Um, was magical. It, 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 it signaled that the day was ending and it was going to end with this, you know, I mean, yes, fireworks, but I'll actually, I'll take the main street electrical parade over the fireworks. Like once the, like actually the last couple of times that it was playing in Florida, uh, my wife and I, after we were done watching it, we would just be like, all right, we don't need to stay for the fireworks. In fact, we can usually get on better transportation while the fireworks are going on so that, you know, because everyone else is watching them. So we've got a good spot on the bus or the boat or the monorail. Um, but the Main Street Electrical Parade and the Electrical Light Parade on the water were just, those were our favorites. We just love it. So to see it again, there is, is gonna be great. I hope they do play it. I think at one time Disneyland uh, had the Main Street Electrical Parade in Disney's California Adventure, which made no sense to me um because well it it's the main street electrical parade it needs to go down main street not carthay circle or whatever it is that's in uh like it didn't make i think it was just that's where they found space for it but i think it's returning to actual disneyland this time 
and um, I'll be glad to see it. That'll just, it'll, it'll evoke nostalgic memories. Um, and, uh, and of course, I live in the past uh, when it comes to Disney, and so that will make me happy. I actually saw that at California Adventure. And, and I remember thinking, this is before I was like completely obsessed with watching park stuff. So we're talking probably 15 years ago. I remember yeah. thinking, what in the heck is this? <laughs> so you hadn't seen it before then, right? I had seen it on TV when I was a kid, like in brief glimpses. But I became obsessed with like various like characters in the parade that were kind of like, looked like they were breaking down in real time, <laughs> like making kind of wailing noises. Um, but it was just, it was glorious and weird and uh, trippy. Um, so, That's the, yeah, it's pure 70s right there. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, we were winding down our day at California Adventure, my brother and I. And that came strolling on by. Nothing really prepared me for that moment. I will say this, that, that, that synthesizer soundtrack is iconic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I play that for the kids every once in a while, and they're still, like, baffled. It's, it's why I still listen to Mannheim Steamrollers original albums at Christmas, because nothing to me says Christmas except for that Moog synthesizer that Chip Davis and the Mannheim Steamroller folks have created. That's how Christmas carols are meant to be sung. Bing Crosby and Mannheim Steamroller. I'm telling you, like, but that's the, you know, but that's the thing. Like, it, I think if, and I don't know if it's because I grew up in that era and so I have a certain affinity for it or if it is actually intrinsically good. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know, but I, I have a soft spot for it. And so, yeah, it, and, and, I, and I guess for those, and that's why I guess John, I would kind of be curious as one who did not grow up anywhere near the 70s, um, you know uh what your if you're if you, if you would look at that stuff and think it's weird or is it intrinsically decent good no i love the i love the electrical parade um i saw it a few times at the magic kingdom when it came back after spectra magic was retired um i just wish that it was a little i, I it i i love it i just wish it was it was plussed or updated a little bit I, i'm more of a spectra magic guy myself i I, I can admire and appreciate the classics very much. Uh, and, and so there's, there really is nothing quite like seeing the Main Street Electrical Parade on, on main, main Street. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. But I like the sort of the soaring instrumental of, um, of Spectra Magic. Um, and I think we could probably all agree on this. Paint the Night does not hold a candle to, to either one, but particularly the Electrical Parade. Was paint the, that was the thing at California Adventure, wasn't it? Yeah, it's moved around the world and it's been uh, allegedly rumored for Disney World for, oh God, probably the last five years. But okay. I think, I think it will us, eventually come. If you give us that instead of the electrical parade back in Florida, I'll be so mad. Like, I think no, that's, that's what's going to happen. No, don't, don't wish it into the dark, please. That's not what I'm looking forward to in 22 or 23 or any year. Could you change your Twitter bio to I'm more of a spectro magic type of guy? <laughs> I grew up on the prequels and I'm a spectro magic kind of guy. I, I have told you <laughs> time and again, the original trilogy is my favorite, but I was a kid when the prequels came out. So I, you know what? I don't have to defend myself. 
Yes, you Matt, do. Matt, you just tell us what makes you happy. Get this over with so I can log off with you guys. <laughs> All right. So earlier, what, about 10 minutes ago, you said this is not a Star Wars podcast. And I said, yes, it is. And, and I was being dead serious. Uh, this Star Wars podcast is now brought to you by shopdisney.com. But in addition, I'm going to say my choice is also a Star Wars choice. Um, and you could say it's like kind of morbid curiosity about how the heck Galactic Star Cruiser is going to come together and whether it's going to be a huge surprise and success or this this disaster that some people are now speculating it's going to be um a lot of a lot of discussion online has been about whether there's been cancellations to the galactic star cruiser with the reservations um but my personal take is whatever they're trying to do they haven't shown all their cards and what they have shown uh, has been I think it's safe to say underwhelming. So if they're not showing all of their cards, if there's something truly amazing there that we don't know about yet, when word gets out, it'll be, it'll be gigantic. Um, because I think what they're trying to do is really audacious. They are trying to have a hotel experience for two or three days where people are essentially LARPing, even people who don't want to LARP. Uh, and I know as an introvert, if somebody comes over to me and tries to get me to LARP, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so like, like if, if somebody's going to come over and try to get me to do something for the. It's true. I've, order, been, to, like, I've no. been to Renaissance fairs with Matt. I, I can attest that he did. He, he will not do that. It, yes. It'll be, if it's like Renfest in Star Wars, I have a feeling it's not going to go over well, but if they somehow crack the code this is going to change theme park businesses for a very long time and you'll see universal who already does theming very well with harry potter take the cue and try to do something along those lines um and disney certainly if they find success is going to try to replicate this in other places but if it's a failure people are going to be talking about what Galactic Star Cruiser was supposed to be and how it turned out. So I really, just really, I'm, I'm tired of all the negative YouTubes at this point. I mean, I had fun with it the first week or two. Um, and now I just want to see what's really under the covers and to see if, it, if Disney somehow was able to get past the naysayers and deliver the goods. Um, whether they still have something up their sleeve. Um, so that's where I'm at um, because so much of, I think, theme park futures uh, and the experiences and the immersive experiences um, ride on this thing succeeding or, or failing. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Now, Matt, I don't wanna put words in your mouth here. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you, you said something that captured my attention, um, you know, that if this works, you know, Universal and Disney will try to replicate it. 
I'm more worried if it does not work, which I, I really, really, really want this to be successful. And the reason I want this to be successful is I'm afraid that perhaps in the post-mortem, if it's not successful, leadership um, or personalities might think that highly themed experiences are not worth investing in and come to the wrong conclusion. So in my opinion, the stakes are extremely high um, because if, if this thing does fail, it's very easy for someone to say, well, we invested all this money in a hyper-themed experience and nobody wanted it. So we could probably spend a whole lot less on things that are themed a whole lot less. Is that, is that too much of a logical jump from what you were going oh, no. for? You're, you're hitting the nail on the head. I, in fact, I, I kind of feel like Universal might review what they did with uh, the Hogwarts castle and say, did we miss an opportunity by not having actual places where people could stay? and have the residential Hogwarts experience. Um, because if they were to invest in that, uh, extend the show building out to have rooms and things like that, um, if there was some way to pull that off, they could really have some magic there. Um, it's so I think Universal is gonna be looking at this very closely. Um, you know, they're, they're building Super Mario World out in, out in Hollywood right now. and. They want to bring it to, to Florida at some point. Uh, if potentially, if Epic Universe comes together in the next couple of years, I I could see a a uh, a princess um, a princess kingdom or a Bowser kingdom hotel experience becoming something. Um, but I think that a lot of people, a lot of um, people who make financial decisions in these major companies are going to be watching this. Um, and I think like they could make one rash decision after another based off of, you know, how it performs. Um, and I think like, if it doesn't perform, you're going to see a whole lot of uh, discounted offerings for residential experiences. Are we in then? <laughs> um, Not I if it's LARPing. <laughs> I think if if, uh, if there's a coupon day, or if maybe they extend it to the DVC people, um, well, I, that's the, and that's that. I think you you hit on something that is my concern: is that the lesson that won't be learned is that overpricing things is not the way to go. Like the one thing that people are not going to step and go, huh? Maybe we shouldn't have charged as much, um, and maybe made this a little bit more of an economically feasible experience, considering what you get i.e. you're staying indoors at, I mean, the overhead, every time they show an overhead shot of what this place looks like, like from, from a helicopter, I keep thinking it looks like a, like a, like a, a quality in or a, you know, Amazon fulfillment center or an Amazon fulfillment center does not yes. look like something that looks like, I don't want to stay there. Um, based like knowing that that's what the outside looks like. I'm essentially staying in a motel six, with all the windows drawn, um, you know, and so- They should have put a dome over it or something. Yeah, they I couldn't have, have made it look like a spaceship. I know. I That's, I think, where, I, and I think that's not the, le the lesson that they won't learn is like, well, first of all, like, if you're going to do Star Wars, make it look like Star Wars, you know, like, because again, the images we've seen so far, even the concept art, I've been a little uncomfortable with it because it doesn't look like Star Wars. It doesn't look like Star Trek. It doesn't look, it looks like generic sci-fi um, 
and and they're trying to make it star wars and i'm like no star wars i mean they like it's almost like put favreau and filoni who are giving us this great stuff put them on this like they understand what star wars looks and feels like i feel like whoever designed this hasn't seen a star wars movie um you know or thinks flash gordon is is star is star wars and and just they've so i think that's the lesson that won't be learned if that if indeed now if it's what what worries me a little bit is if it does succeed here's where i'm a little worried i'm worried that people are going to think okay super rich boutique experiences with bad theming is the way to go um because if the if universal gets that and goes oh let's have a really cheap harry potter version but we'll charge buku bucks for it you know then that's not doing that franchise any favors either so i don't want that to be the lesson of this is that you know oh this suddenly works and we 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 reward it by doing more of this kind of you know pricing people out either so i think um, there's um this is going to sound weird but there's some lessons to be learned um of what not to do and perhaps disney's towing that line of of following this um is out in dubai a lot of those amusement parks and theme parks have bought a lot of various properties and under-delivered on the actual products and the rides and things like that. People wanted to have these experiences. They promised uh, Hunger Games experiences and, and uh, you know, DreamWorks and things like that. And the rides are undercooked uh, despite sure. the money that was invested. Um, and so what you're touching on about whether this feels like Star Wars or not, um, people, once the word is out that this either feels like an authentic Star Wars experience or it doesn't, yeah, um, that's going to be hard for Disney to overcome unless they shut it down and completely overhaul it. And, but everything is connected to Galaxy's Edge. Everything revolves around the theming they've done with Galaxy's Edge. Um, everything's part and parcel. I don't think that people really understand how big of a gamble and a big of a risk Disney's taking with this. Yeah. Um, and if the cost cutting and the, and the corner uh, cutting corners um, is noticeable to those people, they're going to share their discomfort with what they experienced. Um, yeah. And Disney's going to have to figure out a way going forward, how to clean up that mess and how to make it right. Or if they got it right somehow, um you know got it got it right enough they're going to need that second and third wave of people interested in it and it's going to have to figure out a way to be affordable too yeah yeah i'm so, i'm i'm kind of nervous because i feel like every major recent disney edition has been just short of jaw dropping and, and i know that sounds like such a first world problem but disney is supposed to be jaw dropping and so like pandora at animal kingdom is spectacular the floating mountains are incredible uh flights of passage is, is a beautiful incredible ride um you know R navi river journey is fine it's got a really really cool animatronic but it's if you could see the cost the, where costs were cut but there it's it's lacking that third ride it's lacking that big time oh my goodness wow factor and i've not been to galaxy's edge and i will definitely cry when i see the millennium falcon for the first time in the flesh for sure. And probably when I'm on Rise of the Resistance, but there was supposed to be another 
full scale ride, like a Bantha ride. There was supposed to be um, a sit down restaurant. And there's all these things that have been value engineered and you're still left with an incredible product, but you're not left with that premier product. And I feel like you cannot do that with this hotel. Some of that was rolled into the, this hotel. So people are wondering, is there anything more? Is there anything that we just simply don't know about? Um, and I think once Disney unveils it to the world and shows everything beyond um, a tone-deaf two-minute bit on its holiday special, um, you know, like, the story's going to be told. Um, yeah. Now, it's worth saying, Disneyland opened, what, 60-something years ago. And a lot of things didn't work. Um, rides were breaking down. Um, you know, I sound like John Hammond in Jurassic Park right now. Um, up until the Pirates of the Caribbean started eating people. But <laughs> that was the turnaround. <laughs> That's what did it. That's but the like, turnaround. You know, everybody thinks about, oh, well, Disney walked into the kingdom and everything worked. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Um, no, his no. shoes sunk into the asphalt. Yep. But Walt Disney didn't have the internet to contend with and permanent impressions are made. Um, and I, I think like they were able to get away with things and rebuild out in, uh, out in Europe, in France to correct some of the early mistakes there. But this is such a costly endeavor. Yeah. So much is riding on it. Um, I'm really, really curious about what's going to happen. Um, I appreciate so, your I optimism, though, Matt. I, th I do appreciate that, that you're right. Maybe there's something under the under the cover that, and I appreciate that. And let, maybe I'd like to end maybe with, the, with that happy part, which is just maybe, just maybe this could surprise us and this could be the greatest thing. And we live in that sense of optimism and hope that is that's a, that, that is the, the Schrodinger's cat kind of, um, uh, you know, the, the, it might be, you never know. As I tweeted out when they first announced the price point, um, and if it comes to fruition, I will say that it would be fully worth $6,000 if Harrison Ford tucks each individual person into bed at night. Good night, kiss. <laughs> All right, whatever. That yeah, would sure. sell it on me. I think. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> the way Paul said it. it had to be that way. It had to be begrudging. He could use a good kiss. That's, thank you, Matt. All right. That's the walk-off. That's it. All right. Guys, this is a good discussion. Um, please, everyone, please share what you're looking forward to in 2022. I almost said 2021. Everybody, you're probably still getting used to writing 2022 as well. Um, you can subscribe to us on basically any platform possible. Spotify, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, TuneIn. Leave us a review. Share with your friends. We are loving the recent comments on our Facebook page. People are catching up to some of the recent pods or, or some, of the, some of our older pods and leaving comments. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so please, everybody, happy new year. Thank you for joining us. We will see you real soon.